spent the last three minutes looking for my phone, even though I am. This is my phone. Like I'm on my phone on Skype. I've just been like, where the fuck is my phone down? <laughs> I'm skyping with it, so that's not great. <clears throat> Please keep that in. <laughs> uh, it's a recording. We are recording. Cold opens are back. Hello and welcome to another episode of Battery Mates, the second in a week. You wait for ages for an episode of Battery Mates to come along and then two happen in one go. But this is a special episode of Battery Mates because we are joined by Kate Stem in London for another segment of Battery Mates of the Movies. Can we Toby, can we get the um you know the the jingle they play at the at the movie theater? For oh, this? Yeah. We'll have that in. You mean the one where like they're on the roller coaster? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it ends up with being like, no fucking mobile phones on. <laughs> so I, we should actually we'd make an announcement. If you could turn off your mobile phones for this segment of Batch Mates at the Movies. <laughs> uh, anyway, Toby uh, is joining me from Chicago. Kate's in London in Los Angeles, right? Uh, yeah, no, still there. I actually haven't moved since the last time we spoke. I've been <laughs> so you're surrounded there. by boxes. I thought you might be moving. <laughs> No, it's a uh, box is full of exciting things to do with my book. There you go. I was just teeing you up for a mention of the book. So last time we talked about Eight Men Out, I think I think the consensus was it was pretty good and they got four out of five from the from the team. Uh, today we're, uh, we watched uh, 61 asterisk. I don't know how to say that. It's, it's 61 asterisk. Can you yeah, that's how you uh, say it. Yeah, 61 a- asterisk. Or just 61. Asterisk. I don't know. But either way, <laughs> the, the, the title of the movie obviously made me think of the uh, of the House and Astros um, and uh, their uh, shamed and stained uh, world record, uh, world series record. Either way, uh, I, I only just finished watching this movie like 20 minutes ago. I forgot mm-hmm. that we were recording today and um, had to watch it. Uh, this afternoon while making dinner and, and everything else. I've already kind of forgotten what was in it. Uh, so that's just a preview of how I felt about the about the film. I'm going to propose uh, a game that we play throughout uh, our Battery Mates at the Movie segment where each of us can say a thing that happened in the movie and then the other two will have to vote on whether that thing actually happened in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like any of us did when we were trying to watch this. Um, but before we get into trying... Hard to remember what was actually in the movie. Uh, we're going to cover a couple of other baseball things. Kate, you want to start? You're the guest. You've got something fun to say about the Mets, and the bar is high for this. So Toby and I are both very excited to know what you want to talk about. So what I would say about being a Mets fan is it's like we're really the kind of team who can lose our star pitcher to Tommy John surgery when baseball has been canceled for the season. So like that's where we're coming from. And so I've been, uh, you know, my dad is a diehard Mets fan and my stepmom as well. And they usually watch every single day. And so I've been a little concerned about them stuck at home with no baseball. So I was talking to my dad this week and I said, you know, dad, how are you holding up with no baseball? And he informed me that SNY, the TV station that runs the Mets in New York is playing Mets games from last season every single day. 
only the ones where the Mets win. So, so every <laughs> single day, my parents get to watch the Mets win game after game after game. And he said it was unbelievable that Noah Syndergaard was able to pitch a four hitter just three days after receiving Tommy John surgery. So <laughs> that's, uh, that's the alternate universe that Mets fans are living in and I thought it was wonderful and I hope that other teams are doing the same but what if the uh what if the the lockdown goes longer than a month (laughs) (laughs) oh I guess we'll have to you know I think we can probably get ourselves through 162 games if we reach back to the last 10 to 20 years of seasons so (laughs) we'll dig deep into the archives that's great I, um, that is phenomenal. One other piece of breaking news before we jump into our movie segment. Um, literally this morning, I'm recording this on Saturday. Literally this morning, the president of uh, these United States um, held a conference call with the commissioners of the major sports leagues. And there were some, um, we were wondering what major sports commissioners were involved. There were 12. Um, the NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball, NHL, Major League Soccer, the WNBA, WWE, nice. the PGA Tour, LPGA, UFC, IndyCar, and Breeders' Cup. All involved, according to the pool report. Anyway, the president, uh, the, the headline. What's the Breeders' of, Cup? I think it's just a cup in, for, for straight people. I don't know. <laughs> It's just a beer stein. It's a cup that only straight people use. (laughs) You will never, you will not see a gay man nor a lesbian drink from a stein. It's not our way. It's about to be your new favorite sport. (laughs) (laughs) No, but but seriously, is it it like horse racing? That sounds true. Let's go with that. Let's Google it and and we'll find out. While while our research team is digging in on that. The news coming out of this is that the president said that he expects the NFL to be able to start on time in September. That's the headline that you're, you're seeing. And the listeners who are now listening to this days after we've <laughs> recorded this um, already know that news. The other piece of this that's really interesting is that he uh, hopes to have stadiums and arenas with fans in it uh, back by August and September, sources said. Although, and this is a very big although, it is currently unclear if medical experts find that to be a realistic timeline amid the current coronavirus coronavirus pandemic. So, <clears throat> anywho, that's uh, that's the timeline we're, we're operating on. I think um, if you're if you're expecting to go to a baseball game anytime soon, it's going to be at least August. I mean, the thing the thing about that to me is that you know the president is is bonkers, and if if even he thinks that there isn't going to be um, baseball played in stadiums with fans before August, then the season is there's not going to be a proper season of baseball. No. So we should uh, get on with Unless talking about they what do we do a fanless season, yeah. right? Unless they do teams only, you know, do it for TV but don't have fans in the stadium. They call it the that Tampa feels Bay like Rays. a thing to me that they could exactly. <laughs> it's like what the Marlins experience every season. <laughs> now the rest of the teams will get to understand also. <laughs> Yeah, it will. It will. It will. It will mean the uh, Orioles don't look as bad. Um, but even even then, I I I I I don't know. I mean, even with no fans, you're still talking about 
you know, the low hundreds of people getting together in a stadium, when you factor in the security and everyone involved in the in the team, um, you'd have to have people out in the uh, in the stands to get the balls and the the broadcast uh, situation. It, it does add up. And sure, I, I just... you could leave the balls. Right? <laughs> I mean, I think of like all the changes we're making to accommodate for a pandemic. It feels like yeah, the foul balls can just stay there. Like that feels like a thing that we could be like, okay, we or you could have loads of dogs. <gasps> that would be nice. Oh, that would what be, if a whole that would bunch be, of dogs got to watch baseball every day? That would be superb content. Dogs cannot get the pandemic. They like fetching balls, and that would make for extremely good TV. I'm going to put the phone down now and go and patent this as an idea. I'm going to be a billionaire. Get to change.org and start a petition. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I think I we think, solved the I problem. Think we solved it. What? Okay. So, uh, what are we going to do about PPE? Like, what? What's next? <laughs> <laughs> Certainly, dogs, dogs can be used there too. Or maybe that's where cats come in. <laughs> oh. Good times. Mm. Good times. All right. Is there any modern day baseball stuff we need to talk about now? Or should we? Should we go on to battery mates of the movies? Movies. Movies. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Delicious things to eat. The popcorn can't be... Okay, Kate, you kick us off. We always make the mistake of saying what we think first, then you tell us where we're all wrong. So let's start off with you, and then Toby and I can uh, pretend that we knew we'd spotted all the things you spotted as we went along. Um, yeah, so we watched 61, which is a TV movie uh, directed by Billy Crystal that aired on HBO in spring of 2001. Billy Crystal, of course, a huge baseball fan, actually one of the first general meetings I ever took um, after I graduated from screenwriting school was with an executive at Billy's company, and she was wonderful, and we talked a lot about baseball, and it was a very fun meeting. Um, uh, and he was, of course, looking for baseball content and baseball movies even then. So the first thing that really struck me about this looking at it was how much it was like, oh, in 2001, there was a really big distinction between a TV movie and a theatrical movie. And now I think we're really used to seeing especially on networks like HBO, we see movies that in terms of production, in terms of scope, you know, or even, you know, TV shows like Game of Thrones and Westworld, right, where they're spending $10 million per episode. We are used to seeing things that could easily be released in a theater. And in the case of the one Game of Thrones battle episode should have been so we could have seen what was happening. Um <laughs> Just throwing throwing that burn in there for no real reason. I have a lot of other opinions about Game of Thrones season eight if we want to get into that. Um, but so watching this movie, it was like, oh, this is a lot lower budget than a theatrical release. And especially compared to Eight Men Out, which we watched two weeks ago, it just looked it looked really cheap to me, um, which is I think we're all spoiled. Right. But it's like you know, and also the technology has improved so much now. So now when you see an indie movie in theaters or, you know, on streaming, however you watch your, your indie movies that was shot for, you know, a million dollars or even less, those movies can look really, really beautiful because with 
you know, the new cameras that are available now, editing technology, color correction, you can make things that look really gorgeous for a lot less money. But in, in the year of our Lord 2001, not the case. And so I think we all talked about this, that we all felt like the movie looked a lot older than it actually was. And I think that's probably because uh, the budget was not what it might have been. Um, so that was my first the first thing that stuck out to me about the film. The second thing that stuck out to me uh, as they structured the film with this sort of Saving Private Ryan-esque opening where we start out in present day with Mark McGuire on the race for 70 and then flashback to the summer of 1961 was, boy, did they ever release this movie nine years before uh, Mark McGuire admitted to using performance enhancing drugs for that entire... Run. So that didn't, that artistic choice did not age great. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, we got then a film that my primary feeling about it was I just, I wish it had been a documentary, uh, was my main feeling about the movie. Was it seemed like there was a lot of interesting stuff to learn about this summer and Maris and Mantle and the way the fans treated them. Um, but the particular choices that they made of how to dramatize uh, those conflicts and those circumstances, it didn't necessarily feel to me like the medium that was best suited to telling <laughs> that story. And so, you know, partly it's, you know, we're living through a pandemic. Our attention spans are all suffering uh, at the moment. At least I know mine is. Um, but with Eight Men Out, um, or even last night I watched a great little movie called Blinded by the Light on HBO about a Pakistani kid in London who gets obsessed with, in Luton, I'm sorry, England, who gets obsessed with Bruce Springsteen. And I cried, I would say, a ton, uh, which may be about the movie and maybe about other things happening, right? <laughs> Now. Um, now there are some movies that I've been <laughs> I, I, I would cry if I lived in Luton as well <laughs> that, that was a big part of it <laughs> that line will kill with our British listeners yeah I don't know where Luton is um, but yeah I had some trouble focusing on this one I don't know about you guys what, what did you think I, I'm just glad I, we, we got you to go first because you've articulated all of the frustrations I couldn't quite put my finger on what it was I didn't like about this film, but you've you've explained it exactly right there. It should have been a documentary. I, I felt like I learned multiple things about baseball history that I didn't know, and it's quite a big moment in baseball history, so it's good to know those things. Um, but I could have got that from a, like a 10-minute YouTube video uh, without having to watch a two-hour uh, I thought movie. this would have been a banging 30 for 30 episode. Like, yeah. that would have been yeah. terrific. <laughs> Yeah, and I, I kind of can't believe it hasn't been because there are lots of like interesting, like thirty for thirty esque uh, turns to this. The the announcement that um, it, it wouldn't it wouldn't stand as a as a proper single season record because the season had grown since Babe Ruth had hit uh, sixty home runs, and um, the, the, the the I thought the media uh, angle and the way that they. Uh, really went after Roger Maris and um, I didn't learn this from the film but I learned it from some reading that that was kind of one of the first moments that the media really went after a baseball player and kind of dug into his private life and and kind of really went negative on somebody uh, those things and, and the fans booing yeah. like Yankees fans booing Roger Maris at Yankee Stadium all of those things are really really interesting and historically interesting and um, really fascinating topics for discussion and to learn about but from a sort of a, a dramatic movie point of view 
just very very hard to to kind of um yeah you need you need much better acting much bigger budget and uh maybe a little bit of uh theatrical license to make it um captivating it definitely this was not a film that i found captivating it was ultimately interesting but i could have i could have got the interesting bits from a a much shorter uh documentary style thing yeah so i think you guys kind of stole all the fun stuff um or like the serious stuff i guess the fun stuff is there's a lot of fun stuff in this movie um but starting with i learned that huckleberries is a term for boo birds people who are booing a lot of huckleberries out today. I learned something today. Um, okay, so the thing that makes this frustrating is I think in 1961, we they could have made... There's, there's footage available of this stuff. Maybe not a lot of TV footage of the games, but there's certainly the radio calls. I mean, that the... Um, uh, what's his, uh, Shooter McGavin uh, was doing an, uh, an impression of somebody, right? <laughs> Um, oh, sure. guys, should we watch Happy Gilmore? <laughs> <laughs> okay, speaking of the actors, I have two things to say. One, Tom, so the guy who played, it was killing me, the guy who was play, played Mickey Mantle. I'm like, why do I know this guy? And I finally caved and looked him up on IMDb, and I couldn't figure it out until I realized he's Tom Jane. His name is Thomas Jane. He's Tom Jane, the famous, like, the, the, the person that Lindsay Bluth mistakes for being the homeless guy in Arrested Development. I was, like, blown. It blew my mind. It was completely, in my, my opinion of Mickey Mantle has changed, I think. Um, that, was, that was a really, uh, really pretty... I was doing a lot of second screening on this one. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, and his later, that abscess in his hip was disgusting. Okay, um... Did you guys I see? missed that completely. Oh yeah, oh, yeah, that was disgusting. They showed it. It was. I mean, it wasn't. Like, uh, <laughs> it, it was. It was genuinely disgusting. Yeah, uh, and that was before it got bad enough to be hospitalized. So, <laughs> whoa. Okay, the last thing I want to point out is, and this is just a personal favorite um, thing. I identified immediately as soon as the the guy they brought in to face uh, Roger Maris in Game One Fifty Four in the ninth inning, uh, the knuckleballer. That's a real baseball player named Tom Candiotti. Played on the Cleveland Indians for in the in the eighties and early nineties, maybe. Hey. Um, yeah, he was forty. I looked it up. He was forty four at the time, I believe. Um, all right, all right, Tom Candiotti, and he's a real knuckleballer in real life. So that's probably why they. Oh, so was that? Did they actually film his pitches? I, it didn't look. I mean, did you like the the camera work? Was they showed him throwing, and then like the the well, there were those cool shots. I was like, oh, this is visually interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Shots of the knuckleball kind of floating and moving around, and I, you know, I used to, um, I saw R. A. Dickey pitch a lot of games mm-hmm. when he pitched for the Mets, and it was always really, but it's really, you know, from the stands, there's only so much you can see to really understand the movement on the ball. So that was probably my favorite shot in the movie. Where those, shots of the <laughs> the, the, those bits, those bits where they they kind of showed the knuckleball moving in the air, and there was like one other bit earlier on where they had a kind of close up of the ball. I was like, uh, that's where the production budget went. <laughs> 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 they, they like filmed that early on, and they just run out of money for the rest of the the rest of the movie. I thought that the 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 guys playing Roger Maris and Mickey Mantle looked like they had just only just mixed out on getting slots in Top Gun. Mm. <laughs> they had that they have got kind of verve uh, about it. <clears throat> I didn't know what Roger Maris looked like um, uh, before watching this movie, and um, after watching it, I 
um, was reading up some other stuff. The actor looks a lot like Roger Maris. Mm. Oh, like they they got Did that Roger they got that, real, that terrible haircut. They got that real close. That haircut is an all American <laughs> fine haircut. I'll have you know. <laughs> yeah, it was really weird. I, um, I watched a YouTube clip of Roger Maris and Mickey Mantle throwing out a first pitch uh, at Yankee Stadium, and um, he literally looks like an old version of the guy in the movie. It was quite surreal. So they got that bit right. So. I um I did a deep dive on oh, first of all the the other piece of the production budget uh, that clearly was a big big budget item was the use of the Lyle Lovett song no nobody knows me but my baby or whatever that is I don't know if you made it this far but there's a unnecessarily long and emotional sequence with Roger Maris alone in a hotel room where that song is not only playing but playing extremely loud in the mix and like much louder than any other music is playing the entire <laughs> movie. Uh, and it's just so um, saccharine. I, don't, I have no idea where it's, it almost feels like the Billy Crystal had the idea. I oh, God, I love that Lyle Lovett song. I really would like to get that Lyle Lovett song into this movie. And it cost him a fortune. And then he had to use it big time. <laughs> I wonder if Lyle Lovett gave it to him for for a reduced rate or something. Like I wonder if Billy Crystal picked up the phone and was like, "Lyle, Lyle, let's let's have a conversation." <laughs> it, it 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 went on for a sort of an uncomfortably long stretch of time, and it, it reminded me of when you're when you like you finish an essay in college, and you're like, "God damn it, I've got to fucking fill out another page somewhere," and you just have to like write something that just like use a hundred words when one would suffice. It was a bit like that. How much I, do we think the recording rights are for a Lyle Lovett song? <laughs> I don't know. So if it's like two hundred thousand dollars for a Beatles song, right? And that's like the most. Wait, is that real? Well, I, well it, I think because I remember when they used um, a Beatles song for an episode of Mad Men in season five or six. I forget. They made it made Hollywood news because it was so it was one hundred and eighty thousand dollars or something, and it was wow. so expensive for you know an episode of television to do that. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that about <laughs> Lyle Lovett's music. I would say less than one hundred and eighty thousand. <laughs> <laughs> The, the Beatles are so fucking greedy. No, you know who's greedy. You know who owns the Beatles, the rights to the Beatles songs. Who? Michael Jackson? Michael Jackson. Michael I mean, Jackson. He, he's dead. Yeah, so now it's his estate. Uh, fucking, they're greedy then. That, that's, <laughs> now, that's a podcast. Um, Michael Jackson <laughs> and Paul McCartney, their relationship. Um, so the, I was what, actually sticking what, with this what? movie. What? <laughs> See, you can't just say that and move on. <laughs> what? what? Like I said, it's got to be a separate Jackson. podcast. So we we gotta go. Have you ever really listened to "Say Say Say"? Have you ever really dove deep on I don't say, like say, the Beatles? It's uh, Beatles are very samey. Not interested. Uh, Paul McCartney famously gave Michael Jackson the advice that buying up rights to music was like a really sound economic investment to make. And then Michael Jackson bought the Beatles rights out from under Paul McCartney. And it was uh, a deep betrayal uh, of their friendship and like a famous thing in the music industry. Huh. Well, put. Yeah. Um, well. I can't find for the life of me the 61 budget. 
I'm talking this up. <laughs> anyway, so I did. I was sticking with this. We've movie. We've been filling all this time. I was sticking with this movie uh, up until that moment, I think, and I don't know why. I was just like, that's when I threw my arms because there's like this really emotional song in, is playing loudly over a sequence where he's doing sit-ups and pull-ups, and then really close up of him like kind of head in his arms and. One tear goes out of the right eye, and one tear trickles down the cheek on the left really slowly. To the, it was just incredibly strange and awkward. And I, you know, I love a lot of me loves Billy Crystal, but this is just trying too hard, Billy. Um, so, last thing I'll say about that, I think right around then, um, the Mickey Mantle character and Mickey Mantle and Roger Maris when they kind of reconciled i really loved that scene um and the the way it ends with you go get that fat fuck was um in reference to babe ruth is incredible and my favorite part of most of one of my favorite parts of any baseball movie so (laughs) to refer to babe ruth as that fat fuck in a a baseball movie that is this yeah it's pretty it's just case exactly I would say related, my favorite thing about this movie is that in a film with almost zero women speaking at any time on camera, the antagonist did somehow manage to be Babe Ruth's widow. (laughs) (laughs) A woman feeling nostalgic for the record of her dead husband being broken was somehow the negative uh, influence. Some really, some really top notch. There was, there was, there was a, a few of those things where they, they kind of really focused in for a strangely long amount of time on some very like minor details. Babe Ruth's widow being very upset. Um, that was weird. His hair falling out. Like came up multiple, multiple times. <laughs> I don't know like why a big, Billy Crystal would be like at all. That's what that. <laughs> There was a, there was a, there was just a few things like that, and I was like, "Where are you? Where are you going with this? What is this? What is this for?" And then you you kind of realize that there's a lot of things in this film that there's no real. It's not for anything. They're just they're just talking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not for anything. They're just talking. I think that would that said, that pretty much sums it up. I, I still can't find the budget for this movie, but I did find out that they were that, um, Barry Pepper, who played Major Maris, was nominated for uh, uh, a Golden Globe, and that this won for best uh, ensemble cast in a miniseries movie or special. It won an Emmy. Um, wow! Huh. And oh, nice. oh shit! It won an Emmy for best outstanding sound editing for a miniseries movie <laughs> or special, which I cannot agree with. My goodness. <laughs> Maybe it's the current mix. Uh, the so Academy Toby has a bone to pick with you. <laughs> yeah. the, the Emmys, the Emmys uh, weren't what they are now, though, are they? I mean, really, it was it, those those were slim pickings back in those days. Sure. <laughs> 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 no, I think you know TV and t- the idea of the whole idea of a TV movie used to be a much more sort of derided idea and you know the idea of the lifetime movie or the movie of the week on network television that was more what a tv movie was about and this was probably more toward the beginning of hbo um and then following hbo other networks really coming to redefine what does it mean to be a tv movie to now where you have you know 
movies like Roma being released on Netflix and in theaters simultaneously. And what does anything even mean? We don't know. Yeah, I, I didn't know it was a TV movie before we started recording this. You told me. Um, I think I, I wish I'd known that before. It would have maybe set my expectations a little bit because I, I just, you know, I watch this stuff on my iPad and it's just like everything's the same. It's just on Netflix or, or whatever platform. So I, I don't, I didn't know that context. And I think that would have been helpful. I went into it expecting something pretty cool and, and, and um, interesting. And that, the opening, that like saccharine opening with his, with his, uh, with his family uh, going to watch Mark McGuire. And I was just like, Oh, that's what we're doing. Okay. <laughs> this is going to be a long two hours. And so, it, and so it proved. Yeah. Didn't need to be two hours what? long. <laughs> Did not need to be two hours long. There was a moment when I sort of was like, I'm doing a bad job paying attention. I have missed three fourths of this movie, Kate, like pay attention. And we were only 40 minutes into it. And I was like, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I mean, my, my watching experience was slightly harmed by the fact that I refused to pay $4.99 to watch it on Amazon uh, Prime. And so watched it on uh, like a not very high quality version on YouTube with really, really gigantic Spanish subtitles. <laughs> they took up they took up like about at least a third of the bottom of the screen. Do you not have HBO? No, we don't. Have, I don't have HBO. No. Do you know that HBO has released like 10 of its most popular series to watch for free during the month of April? So you can catch up on like Succession, for example, which I think everyone should watch. And now I've we don't have to do a word from our sponsor. <laughs> 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 this episode brought to you by HBO. <laughs> I, I want everyone to watch Succession. I think that's the number one thing that people should take away from this podcast is like you have to give it a few episodes, but it's it's just so good. Have, have it's you, so good. Have you had a this podcast is what they call you... native advertising? <laughs> Have you had a podcast where you talk about Succession, Kate? Because that would be something I would listen to. Oh, should we just do that podcast? <laughs> is there any? Is there any baseball in it? Can we? Can there we? There is, in fact, a baseball scene in the pilot. Oh, yeah, there is horrifying scenes I have ever seen in the history of television. It is absolutely. It is so brutal. It is so hard to watch. It is so I, good. I don't. I don't know what this is. I've never heard of it. So let, let's do that for the next episode. Um, you have to watch so, the entire series. Uh. <laughs> 20 episodes. So listeners at home will not be able to see this, but I do have next to me, my writing group gets together every January and does vision boards for the year. And I happen to have it on this desk. And here is a picture of Kieran Culkin oh relaxing by a pool that is on my vision board for 2020. And I would say the relaxing by a pool has not come true, but the general sense of dissatisfaction and malaise is uh, absolutely, it's here. So I did it. I secreted my life. So we will do, maybe we'll use that baseball scene in the first episode as the excuse to cover the entire series of Succession. <laughs> um, but uh, before we wrap this, I know we got to do how many balls we're going to give this. Um, but I, I want to do two things. One, the scene where the writers and the commissioner are all talking about the what this, the, what this could mean if they're actually going to go after the babe streak. And, you know, they released that ruling the next you know, fucking frick release the ruling the next day that they're going to be separate records which is ridiculous but um there's so much baseball history in that like three minute scene that i thought was if we this was a documentary that could have been a lot of cover like there's a lot to cover there the hank greenberg like 
like one off like uh like little mention uh about Hank Greenberg hit 58 home runs in 1938 not 11 years after Babe Ruth broke the record or set the record and he was like with a week or two to go only three or two home runs away from tying Babe Ruth's record and then didn't get a pitch to hit basically after that and it's because it might be because it might be because he's Jewish and it was right when the Nazis it's like a really huge interesting baseball story not that Roger Maris and Ricky Mantle wasn't a good baseball story, but like, my God, that could have been a huge part of this, uh, this this movie, um, if it had been a documentary. And there is a good documentary by Hank Greenberg out there, but I thought that was interesting. So um, on scoring, I've, I've two, two questions. Just to confirm, we are allowing half balls. Yeah. And the other question is to clarify, is the lowest score you can give a film one ball or zero balls? Half a ball. Half a ball is the You said that with like such certainty and confidence. (laughs) Oh yeah, this is into that. Yeah, half a ball. This is a well known system now. (laughs) (laughs) It was only last episode we forgot it what it was, so (laughs) so it's zero point five balls to five balls is the scoring. Toby, you go first this time. All right, I'm gonna give I'm gonna give this uh, because because of the you go get that fat fuck um, I'm gonna give this <laughs> two and a half balls because it was about wow. baseball. Oh, I miss baseball. Is <laughs> what this comes down to. <laughs> I was sticking with this movie for a while. <laughs> okay, Kate. Um, do you know how sometimes in Arrested Development they'll just cut to a like footage not found? <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So I think that it's like you cut to me for my score of this movie and it's just footage not <laughs> so like I didn't really pay enough attention to give this a fair rating. I'm sorry, everyone. I'll try and do better next time. So we'll just we'll just have an asterisk. Yeah. For, uh... Exactly. Good. <laughs> yeah, very good. Um I'm I give it uh one point five balls. Um, it, it wasn't very good, but it was about baseball, yeah. and there were some good moments, so it wasn't disastrous. I think I'd only go as low as, as 0.5 if I can't watch to the end. Yeah. No, I, it wasn't. I didn't turn it off. Um, I got through it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's the spirit. I didn't, like, yell at the TV in frustration. I just sort of gently went to Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> I do a lot of deep diving on the, the, the sports history piece of this. The fact that Roger Maris got his start with Cleveland is de- like really depressing. Um, and we traded him for two infielders that never really didn't really amount to much. Mm-hmm. I guess one was an all star, but like, <laughs> but he, but Roger Maris set the home run record and like was the MVP one year and or maybe two years. I don't know. Roger Maris is famous. That's one of those Yankee Cleveland. things. How they, you know, they'll trade for a terrible, terrible player, and then he'll go on to have the season of his career, and then, you know, the Blue Jays will take him for an unbelievable amount of money, and he'll get injured and never do anything again. This is not my observation, but it's a true observation. (laughs) (laughs) The original uh, garbage banging or banging scheme, whatever the Yankees are fucking doing. (laughs) So what's up next? I think um, Major League was one of the three... Uh, we talked about uh, a month ago that we haven't watched yet. So Major League, I think, yeah, we have to. It's a, we're overdue on Major League. I don't know anything about it, and I feel like it's it's probably the last of the kind of like famous baseball movies that I 
I've never watched or anything about. So um, it's the, it's in it's in the same category as like when I told people in the past that I hadn't watched Bull Durham and they looked at me as if I'd completely lost my mind. Oh, so Bull Durham um, is so good. Mm, yeah. uh, so Major League. <laughs> Major League. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Have we done Rookie of the Year? No, we'll have to do that. Rookie of the Year and yeah. uh, what was the other one? Oh, Angels in the Outfield. Angels in the Outfield. And... Starring a young Matthew McConaughey on whom a 13-year-old Kate had a gargantuan crush because I thought <laughs> that like his character in A Time to Kill and like a 13-year-old Kate, he cared deeply about structural racism. <laughs> but as it turns out... That was just a character he was playing, <laughs> not an element of the film Angels in the Outfield. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we've got a few few more lined up for. Uh, was there what was at Tom least Selleck some of the. Uh, uh, oh, Mr. Baseball. Mr. Baseball, but yeah, he, he like yeah. Actually, I've never seen that movie. Yeah, I don't know if that was good. I remember seeing it when it came out, but it was. Um, he like ends up playing in Japan. He's like a fam- he's like a washed up player who ends up playing in Japan. I don't know. I I could see that being really problematic. Um, yeah, it, does, it seems like an opportunity for us to explore anti Asian stereotypes in the age of coronavirus. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, with without fans in the in the stadiums or arenas until August, we're gonna have plenty of time for better mates at the movies. So we'll be able to cover. But our next one will be at Major League. We're, you're here, you heard it here first. Um, Justin Baraski, we're about to ruin a movie for you. Um, <laughs> anyway. Um, right, we've, men- we've mentioned Justin Baraski now, so we can, uh, <laughs> we can wrap up. We can wrap up. Officially, we're allowed to now wrap up. Oh, all right. Well, um, Kate, I don't know. Matthew, Kate, or either of you have any advice for Banner Race Nation while we wait for more information on... Um, whether Roger Maris is uh, going to break Babe's record? Uh, well, I, I think um, <laughs> people should just go and shake those balls. Yeah, they should shake those balls. Okay. Yeah, I think um, we should all eat more pasta and all be that fat fuck and embrace <laughs> embrace our lives and 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 eradicate fat phobia in the time of a pandemic. That's my advice Be- for everybody. Better advice. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else I can get you, Sister McGregor? <laughs> you want some coffee? <laughs>